What's up, Coastal Community Church? My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you are joining us online this weekend for church. And listen, church, the, the doors may be shut, but the church has never been more alive than it is right now. And I am so loving having the opportunity to come into your homes, on your mobile devo- device, on your computers, and worship with you every single weekend. But at the same point, I just want you to know Man, I miss seeing your faces so much. I cannot wait for the time that we're able to gather back together in person and worship together. Because while worshiping online is great, there's something about being together that is just missing in the season. And over the next couple of weeks, you're gonna be getting some updates and some different things of when we plan to be able to gather again in person. We have never stopped gathering because we've been gathering online every single weekend. And I've loved seeing your comments. I've loved having discussions with you online. And I can't wait to continue to do that again today, but I am excited about what God is doing in our church through this series freeway that we've been in the last couple weeks, and we've been going over the past couple weeks through this step process, helping us as individuals to experience freedom in life, and that is the goal for every single one of us that we would experience freedom, but one of the things that we've been talking about is the fact that there are things that just kind of pop up in every single one of our lives that we're like, man, where did that reaction come from? Where did that, that, uh, that response come from? Like, why did I do that in life? And I was thinking this week, like, what is the best way to kind of set the tone for this weekend's message? And uh, there happened to be this reporter that was doing an interview with the BBC or this, this expert that was doing a, 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 an interview with the BBC. And uh, the interviewer was in a studio. This gentleman was in his home. And I want you to take a look at what happened during this guy's interview. Check this scandals out. Scandals happen all the time. The question is how do democracies respond to those scandals? So he's having yeah, a serious conversation. All of a sudden, his region, daughter just pops in. Just in. What do you do in that moment? You just push that girl away, right? You just act like she's not nature. even there. Um, I would be surprised. Then all of a sudden, the second kid pops in, can't even walk, doesn't even know what's going on. Then all of a sudden, mom comes flying in, grabs the kids, pulling them out, can't get them out because the door's shut. Here she is opening up the door, pulls the kids out, trying to be all sly and down and crouched down. Trying to get the kids out, and then here she pops in one more um, time. North Korea, Boop. North, uh, South Korea nobody saw me. North Korea have been severely limited Here's what I know, church is that life feels a lot like that video at times. All of a sudden, you're in this moment, you're doing well in life. This is this gentleman actually said, Man, this is my first time being on the BBC giving this interview. And I thought to myself, Man, I've put myself in a perfect situation. My kids are with my wife. I don't have to worry about it. I just need five minutes for this interview. He jumps on this interview. He's going through, he is slaying it. When all of a sudden something pops up that's a part of his life. And lo lo and behold, it's not just one thing, but it's two things. His second kid comes in, and then mom, who is watching the kids, you'll actually, if you were to go back and look at the video, you'll realize that, that, that mom, all she did was go to the bathroom for a second, and all of a sudden those kids just popped into his interview. They thought it ruined everything. She's trying to make it disappear, but yet everybody saw what was going on. And here's what I know about our lives 
is we all have things that pop up out of nowhere. We're like, where did that come from? What, why is that taking place? But here's what I know over the last couple of weeks, we've been diving into this series freeway and we said that all of us have got to get to this point where we go, hey, I wanna be aware of what's going on in my life. And awareness begins when we begin to recognize the mess that's in our life and we realize that God wants to get in the middle of our mess. And we said the problem for a lot of us when it comes to awareness is we don't know the truth about the truth about us. Like we don't realize that there are little things that are popping up here and there in our lives that a lot of times we don't recognize, but in this instance we did. And then last week we talked about discovery where we said not only do we have to be aware of those things, but all of a sudden we have to dig in a little bit deeper. We have to realize why is it that we have some busted and broken up things in our lives. And it's in this phase where we have to have the wisdom to, to look into the past and begin to connect the dots of the past to our present and allow the present to be changed and transformed so that we can move fully into our future. And we've said this so many times as a church, your past is not your past if it's still impacting your present. What begins to happen in that discovery phase is we, we begin to discover the hurts and the pains in the patterns of our lives that we are ashamed of and not real pleased with. And when you get to this point, you have a choice to make. You have a choice of are you gonna run and hide and try to put those things back away and hope that nobody saw that or discovered them, kind of like what the mom was doing in that video. She tried to pull them back like nobody noticed that there was a toddler and a two-year-old that rolled into that video. No, no, it's all good, it's all fine. Am I gonna blame mom that she wasn't watching the kids? Or am I gonna own the moment? Which is where we get to today, which is step three. It's this idea of ownership. Where you go, I'm going to take personal responsibility for things in my life. And I've gotta be honest with you today, church. Today is the day that I'm gonna lose some of you. And the reason I'm gonna lose some of you is because you were with me on step one. You were all about becoming aware of things that you were unaware of in your life. You were with me in step two, but we're gonna go into step three and some of you are gonna say, you know what, I'm out. I want freedom in my life, but I don't want it that bad. And I wanna to say to you today in advance, for all of you that are watching online today, here's what I want you to know. When that spirit begins to rise up inside of you and says, man, I just can't do this. You've gotta push back and you've gotta identify with Christ that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Because in your own strength, you're not gonna have the ability to do this, but in Christ's strength, I believe that you can do all things. And God wants you to do this so badly. Let me tell you why. The reason this is so important in life, this idea of ownership, is because we as individuals, 
We as a society, we in the depths of our nature, we love to judge and we love to blame. We love to think I'm right and you're wrong. And it can be in the simplest things. You're driving down the road and you're driving and, and everything's good and you're just going down the interstate and you're driving faster than other people and the people that are going slower than you, what do you think? You're thinking, man, they're an idiot. Why are you going so slow? Speed up. Then there's other people that go flying past you on the interstate and when you see them fly past you, what do you do? You go, man, that guy is a maniac on the road. What's true about every single one of us is the speed that we're going is the right speed, right? Like the other person is wrong, this other person is wrong, but I am right. And this has been our condition from the beginning. In fact, Adam and Eve established this condition and, and really there are two points to today's message. Number one, if you're taking notes online at home, it's this, it's taking ownership means I stop blaming God and others for my circumstances. Taking ownership means that I stop blaming God and I stop blaming others for my circumstances. I was talking to a parent last week and we were talking about uh, what it's like to be raising children and teaching them different things. And I got the opportunity to teach my son some things. And this guy was talking about how uh, he got the opportunity to teach his son just recently how to ride a bike. And, and uh, one of his other kids, he was teaching him how to throw a football. And, and uh, he was, he's talking about how one day he's gonna have to teach them how to drive. Some of you parents are getting there right now and I know you're freaking out. It's okay. You're gonna teach them how to do those things. And we teach our children a lot of things. But here's what I know from every parent out there. None of us had to teach our kids how to blame somebody else, did we? Like none of us had to go, hey, when they do this, this is how you blame them for doing that. No, 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 kids automatically know how to blame things. In fact, this dad was telling me, he's like, I'll never forget this moment uh, that my son was in the high chair and as he was trying to, to climb uh, up the high chair, he fell off the high chair and when he fell down, he got up and he kicked the high chair and he said, stupid high chair, why? He blamed the high chair for him falling off of it when the reality is that the high chair had nothing to do with him falling. It had everything to do with his ability to coordination. And the dad was like, how in the world could he think that it was the high chair's fault? And it's not that we think that. It's just something that comes naturally to every single one of us. It, it reminds me of a... Uh, of this one time I was watching Judge Judy. I, I know I shouldn't have watched Judge Judy, but I was watching Judge Judy on, on daytime TV. I think I was at a tire shop getting some tires on my vehicle. And Judge Judy is there. She's talking to these two people that are in a dispute. Uh, and Judge Judy is kind of like laying into this one woman. And this woman looks at Judge Judy and she just goes, Judge, you don't understand. The devil just be so busy. Like, all of a sudden, she's blaming the devil for decisions that she's made, thinking that Judge Judy is going to let her off the hook in that moment. And here's what I know is we love to blame 
uh, deities. We love to blame God. We love to blame other people. It's a human condition. It is the blame game. And listen, this condition has been happening since the beginning of humanity. In fact, Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. He said, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, uh, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were open. They realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you? that you were naked. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me gave me some of the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord said to the woman, what is it you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. It's interesting. People have made a point over the years that for the woman to be deceived, it took a serpent to deceive her, but all it took for a man to be deceived was a naked woman. Just tells you, man, we're, we're simple, but that's, that's not the point of here. But what we see in this story is we see a whole lot of blaming going on. And this is why we are so good at the blame game. It's part of our bloodline. It's part of our bloodstream. It's part of our nature. It's part of our family tree. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. That is what we do. And the reason we blame is we like to minimize our guilt by making others look bad. Now what's interesting about this story, if you've read this story, is both Adam and Eve tell the truth. Adam says, the woman gave me the fruit. That's true. Eve says, the serpent deceived me. That's true. But both of them are making excuses as a means of avoiding personal responsibility. And listen, as long as Adam could blame Eve, he didn't really feel very bad about what he did. And as long as Eve could blame the serpent, she could just play the innocent victim in this story. And there are so many truths that come out of this passage. In fact, I made a bullet, some bullet points so you could grasp them. One of them is this, is the tendency to blame others is deeply ingrained in the human nature. 
It's just ingrained into every single one of us that we want to blame other people constantly. The next one is this, is that left to ourselves, we'll do anything to avoid taking personal responsibility for our actions. And you know this is true. If we can, if we can push off the responsibility on somebody else for what we did, we have a natural tendency just to do that. Like nobody has to teach us how to do that. Nobody has to push us to do that. We just automatically do that. How about this one? Blaming others is often nothing more than a subtle, subtle twisting of the truth in order to take the heat off of ourself. Right? God's like, Adam, what's up? Check her out. God's like, Eve, what's up? Check him out, the serpent. What are we doing? We're just, we're just trying to take the heat off of ourselves. And finally is this, without a deep working of the grace of God within us, we will do exactly what Adam and Eve did. And there's a word in our culture today for exactly what Adam and Eve did. It's called victimization. And victimization is constantly blaming other people for what's going on in your life. And some of you are gonna push back on these, but you and I, we need to hear this today. Because we hear things like, man, I've been treated unfairly. I got the short end of the stick. I was dealt a lousy hand of cards. And some of us, we blame our parents because they got divorced. And you go, you know what? Because they got divorced, I don't know how to have a healthy relationship in life. Some of you blame your husband because, well, he doesn't know how to communicate, so therefore the marriage is terrible. Some of you blame your wife because she blows everything out of proportion in every conversation. We blame in family. We blame in the church. Uh, the reason I'm not growing spiritually is because that pastor is, is too deep or that pastor is too shallow we blame in schools it's not my child's fault it's got to be those teachers fault we blame in politics man the reason this country is going to hell in a handbasket is because of those politicians if you turn in a report late at work it's rob and accounting's fault he didn't get you the tps numbers on time if you lose your job it's not your fault it's that boss's fault he never liked you he's had it in for you the entire time like it was just an unhealthy work environment and by the way, some of you seem to have a new job every single year, and it's like, it's like every time you get a job, there's a reason you get fired or there's a reason that you have to quit because of the environment. And can I just say to you that maybe the common denominator in all those situations isn't your work environment, but maybe it's just maybe you. You fail to do your homework and you blame it on the dog because he ate it, or your sibling because they borrowed your book. If you get angry, it's not your fault. They provoked you, whoever they is. If a relationship ends, it's not your fault because you're normal, but they're weird, or they're, they're jacked up, or messed up, or they've got issues. Listen, does any of this sound familiar to some of you? It should. It really should. Because honestly, this is us. And when I say us, I'm talking about all of us, myself included. We learn very early on the victim's 
battle cry. And the battle cry is, is this. It's not my fault. Another verse in Jeremiah 17, 9 says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Here's what I've learned about my heart. When my heart is left on its own, it has a tendency to lie to me. It has a tendency to tell me it's somebody else's fault instead of taking personal responsibility for what happens in my life. That's why moments like this, we have to stop blaming God and stop blaming others for our circumstances. And I know some of you right now, you're, you're rightfully so, you're, you're pushing back in your heart and, and in your mind, you're saying, so, so TJR, what you're saying is, is I need to take the blame for everything that's happened in my life. No, I am not saying that. I'm not saying you have to take the blame for everything that has happened in your life because some of you really are victims. In fact, every single one of us at some point in time has been victimized in life. We have been a victim and, and all of us have experienced some hurt and we've been experienced some unjust things that have happened to us and, and I'll need you to hear me on this it, because it doesn't mean that this message does not apply to you because the second step is this. Taking ownership means it may not be my fault, but it is my responsibility. It may not be my fault, but it is my responsibility. Because there are some things that have happened in your life and there are some things that have happened in my life that are 100% not your fault. Like, you have no fault whatsoever in that situation. But how I deal with those things, how I respond to those things, how I move forward in life is 100% my responsibility and is 100% your responsibility. The problem is for a lot of us is we would rather be heard than healed. The problem is that for some of us we'd rather be right than get better. The problem for some of us is that we'd rather be justified than, than seek the true transformation that God wants to do in our lives. Some of us would rather assign blame than experience healing. And honestly, that's our problem. About 12 years ago, my wife and I, we were driving back from the Tampa Bay area to Bradenton where we were living at the time and we are driving uh, south on I-75, and it's a, it's a six-lane highway there. And as we are driving along, we are just kind of minding our own business when all of a sudden these two cars went flying past us at, at, at an incredible, incredible speed. And they're weaving in and out of traffic. And you ever watch something, and all of a sudden it's like goes in slow motion, and one of the cars whips around and whips in front of this truck and continues forward, and the next guy comes around, and, and as he goes to cut in front of the truck in a very close corner, uh, close way, all of a sudden that semi-truck clips his... his uh, rear fender, 
And this guy that's going 100 and something miles an hour, all of a sudden, as that semi clips his rear fender, he starts spinning out of control, hits another vehicle. They go off the side of the interstate down into the median. And this guy slides and he slams into a fence and and immediately, Shayla and I, we pull over on the side of the interstate. Some other people pull over on the side of the interstate. And, and I jump out of the car and I start running down. And as I'm running down to check on this individual to see if they are, happen to be alive, because I thought for sure they're going to be dead, I heard somebody yell out, call the police. And then a few seconds later, somebody else called out, no, no, don't call the police. Call an ambulance. Now, I understand that, in essence, they are saying the same thing because what we are all really talking about is call 911. But there is a very, very distinct difference between calling the police and calling an ambulance. Because when you call the police, now, I've only been in a couple of accidents in life, and they've mostly been fender benders. And in those moments, you call the police to come to the scene because when the police come to the scene of an accident, they're there to help assign blame. Who's right and who's wrong, right? That's why the police are there. They're not there to help. They're there to help clarify who's right and who's wrong. Now, now, when you call the ambulance, you're going, hey, it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. We just need healing in this moment. And for so many of us, what we've been doing in life is we have been calling the police and going, I want to be right. They need to be wrong. They're wrong. I'm right. And we're assigning blame instead of taking responsibility. We're more concerned with being right than we are with getting healed in life. In other words, our desire to blame is greater than our desire to be healed. It's a very interesting passage I want to share with you. John chapter 5 says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem to one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is a Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is an Aramaic, which is called Bethesda which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who had been there, who, has, who was there, had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? It's an interesting question. Do you want to get well? Sir, he replied, I have no one to help me get in the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, in this story, the question Jesus asks is really interesting. Because, of course, the man here wants to get well, right? I mean, who, who wouldn't want to get well? Is, is, is Jesus insulting this man's intelligence by asking him, do you want to get well? But have we ever pondered that maybe this man does not really want to get well? And I think Jesus right here is probing at the level of this man's will. He's, he's going, man, do you want to get well? Because I have 
the power to make you whole and healed and well, but I won't exercise that power in your life until you choose that you want to be well. Because if I make you well, just FYI, things are gonna change. You're going to have to change. And honestly, maybe you don't really want things to change. And what Jesus is actually saying to this man is he's saying, listen, if I make you well, you can't be a beggar anymore. And listen, you've been a beggar for 38 years. That's your identity, that's your life, and there is a price to pay to be healed. There is a price that has to be paid for you to get healthy. And Jesus is asking him, do you really want to get better? Because if yes, healing can take place. And I think that that's a fair question to ask every single one of us here watching today. Do you really want to be free? Like, do you really, really, really want to be free? I know you say you want freedom, I know you say you want to be healthy. I know you say you want Jesus to make you well. But do you really want that? Because if you do, there is a price to be paid. And that price that you'll have to pay is this price that you're gonna have to be and give up being an injustice collector. Where you collect all of the injustices that have happened to you in your life that all of those things that have taken place, you're gonna have to go, no, no, no. Those things are no longer gonna be the thing that I identify with. Man, I may have been hurt, but I don't have to continue to live hurt. I may have been wounded, but I don't have to continue to live wounded. I may have gotten victimized, but I don't have to continue to be a victim. But what that means is that for a lot of us, we have a mat in life, and it is our story, it is our life, it is our identity. And Jesus is saying, listen, you're gonna have to pick up this mat that you have identified your entire life with, and you're gonna have to give it up. It's no longer gonna be your identity, it's gonna be your testimony. But what it means is that you've gotta go, man, you know what? I'm willing to not be the person that is gonna walk in hurt any longer. My past is not gonna be the thing that I blame my present on any longer. Well, you don't know what my dad did to me. No, 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 I know what your dad did for you. He sent his son Jesus to the cross so that you could be free, so you don't have to walk around with that mat anymore. So you don't have to be a victim of your earthly father because your heavenly father already paid a price for you. And so the question is, is do you want freedom? Are you tired of your past being your present? Are you tired of blaming your circumstances today on yesterday? Because you don't have to continue to live that way and it may not be your fault, but going forward it is a responsibility. It's time for some of us to take the responsibility of going, Jesus, I want to be whole. Jesus, I want to be well, and I take responsibility. And listen, if that answer for you is 
TJ, yes, I want that so bad, but I am scared to death. That is understandable. And here's what I know you need today. You need courage. Because let's be honest. When all we've been known and all we've lived for and all we've identified with is this. To allow God to take this away. And then we're just left with us is scary. But the way you can do that is by realizing you are loved. Absolutely, unconditionally, completely, and fully loved by God. God saying, man, if you'll allow me to put a death to one thing, man, I'll bring new life to everything. But listen, church, without that, without that understanding of this God loves you more than you could ever imagine, you'll never have that courage. But with that knowledge of making him the foundation of your life allowing him to take all of the pieces of your past the good the bad the ugly all of a sudden he'll begin to build you back up to make you whole and well and ultimately free my question for you this week in your life has been have you been calling the police and assigning blame? Or are you really ready to finally call the ambulance and get the help that you need? Did they hurt you? Probably. And that is an unbelievable story. And I am so sorry. Is it fair what you've experienced in life? Not one bit. But I'm telling you, you are the only one who can take the responsibility to go, I want to be well. I want to be free. And you begin to give that to God. allow God to begin to work in your life so that you can experience the freedom that he has for you and that is my prayer for you church would you bow your heads and pray with me God we thank you for this incredible day we thank you that you're a God that we can go to no matter how hurt or how broken or how many questions we have God that even as we gather online you are right here in our presence, right there in our home, right there on our phone, right there in our living room. God, we feel and we sense you. And God, I pray that today, 
that today, more than any other day, we would recognize the hurts from our past. And we would go, God, I'm not going to continue to play the blame game in life for what has happened circumstantially around me. I'm going to take responsibility moving forward for the reaction to that, to the response to that. God, and I know that right now there are people that have been hurt, that have been wronged, that have been in situations that aren't fair, that are completely unjust. And and God, while it's 100% not their fault, it is their responsibility. And God, I pray that as they give those things to you, that they would experience freedom, that they would experience the healing that only you can bring. And that only happens as we take ownership and we say, God, we, we take ownership of these things and we put them in your hands. And God, I pray that you would give us the courage, the strength, the faith to lay those things in your hands and take our hands off of them. And that, God, you would move in an everlasting and eternal and impactful way in every single one of our hearts and lives. And that, God, as we submit those things to you, that, God, that we would experience freedom from guilt and shame in the past so that we can actually live in the present free like you intended us to do, walking with you in the cool of the day every day of our lives. God, we so desperately need you. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen. Church, man, I am so excited for what God is doing in our church and in our lives right now in this season. And I can't wait to see how God begins to set you free this week. I love being your pastor. I'll see you next weekend.